Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hello and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. We have a lot to get to in week three of the NFL action. A lot to discuss, Connor. But first, off the top, we want to let all of our listeners know that starting next week, the Weekside Podcast will have a new home. We'll have a separate feed. So to find it next week, please search on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever else you get your shows for the Weekside Podcast, you can find it that way. We will also have some fresh cover art and some opening and exit music from a talented musician in Nashville. So we have a lot to look forward to, right, Connor? Jenny, this is like, this is the podcast equivalent of moving out of mom and dad's house. And we're doing it, you know? Yeah. Who, know, who knows yeah. what's going to happen, you know? Maybe we'll get a seedy apartment downtown, or maybe, you know, maybe we're moving on up. <laughs> and we just don't know, so it's very exciting. I was going to analogize it to a team that finds its identity in week four of the NFL season. So maybe the Houston Texans or the Minnesota Vikings, Owen three teams that are playing each other this week. Somebody's going to win. Maybe we're one of those. It just, we all hit our stride a little late, uh, but once we get going, things are great. Or it would be like if SoFi stadium wasn't done until 
week four, right? And now right. we're moving in. So we're here. But I'm very excited. Nothing's going to change in terms of, you know, Jenny and I will still be in your feed once a week. We're just kind of breaking up all the different MMQB podcasts. So everything you love, Albert's going to have his own feed. The Gary shows on Monday is going to have its own feed. So everybody's going to kind of have their own um, unique channel there for you to find everybody. So that way you can kind of customize what you want, mix and match. But please uh, continue to make us a part of your everyday routine. Yes, we are starting today's show with this news because we don't want to lose any of our listeners. We love hearing from you. We love all the emails and the engagement that we get. And we hope that you find us on our new feed. By the way, thanks again to everybody who is sending in all the vegan taco recipes. We kept reading them. We kept reading them. It inspired me to actually go out and do it. Um, I sent Jenny a few pictures throughout the week last week. I was doing some some vegan tacos. So that that's just from my heart to your heart. Uh, thank you guys for always being the best uh, listeners on the planet. Well, we'll continue to be talking about tacos, about uniform colors, <laughs> oracles, consensus, lots of things that we've been doing for a long time. We'll all continue on the new feed. So... We're very excited about it. Yes, lots of fun news. So why don't we just dive right into week three, Connor, because this was an interesting one. I don't know about you. I did not do very well with my picks. I was feeling a little cocky after the first two weeks. I was doing pretty well, picking most of the games right. This was a rough go for a lot of people, I think. But why don't we start with the first news topic? What do you have, Connor? All right, let's do this thing. Um, Amid the hype for a Russell Wilson MVP campaign, the only quarterback who seems to be operating in the same stratosphere is Aaron Rodgers. And is this, I'm wondering, is this causation due to the pandemic and, you know, his knowledge of the offense, uh, his familiarity with the receivers, or uh, was there just a little more tequila in the glass than previously (laughs) believed? I have an alternate theory, Connor. Ooh. I believe it's directly as a result of the Jordan Love draft. Really? Yes, because look back, what happened when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo? It launched Tom Brady into the second dynasty years. 2014, Mm. the year they drafted Garoppolo, that was the beginning of the second Patriots dynasty. 2014, 2016, 2018. I don't know. It all seems to add up. So I think we're seeing a similar effect. At the very least, I think we underestimated what was unleashed that night in the spring, right? That this motivational furor that has enveloped Rogers, we underestimated that. Interesting. I was always like, that was one of those things that when it happened, that was during the draft, that's what everybody talked about, right? It's like, oh, okay, this is going to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, does the guy need a fire lit under him? Like, he always seems pretty, you know, motivated. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But I don't know. Maybe that's true. I mean, he's operating on a different plane than in years past. Um, If you go by... ESPN's total QBR metric, which I do like because it takes into account opponent, down and distance, situational football. He's actually playing better than Russell Wilson. He's got the highest total quarterback rating of any uh, passer in the league. So I don't know. This is significant. And Green Bay seems to be rolling over people. But 
The one thing that I think deserves mentioning that is not getting a lot of mentioning is that Matt LaFleur now is 16-3, and I believe, in his first two years as a coach, which is better than um, Mike Holmgren. It's better than Mike McCarthy. Um, I, I'm not sure if you took any of the – I mean, definitely better than any of the other coaches that were hired in that 2019 class. But I think he's done a good job, too, at not only navigating this but putting something together to make Rodgers' job a little easier, which I think he's doing. I think if you watch these games, it, it is a little bit less of a um, you know a steeplechase for Rodgers just to get one to a one open wide receiver. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing is this progression of year one to year two and finally getting down exactly what needs to happen in this offense, getting over all of those questions last summer about can you audible, who has control, all of the scrutiny over that. He's more comfortable in year two. Really, the system is coming alive as designed. But I still can't shake the motivational plight idea, Connor. I really came to this revelation on Sunday evening, and I found myself questioning everything. Did Bill Belichick draft Jimmy Garoppolo solely to light a fire under Tom Brady to incite these second dynasty years? Did the Packers do the same thing with Aaron Rodgers? Just a lot of questions really raised in my mind. Speaking of questions, uh, after you mentioned your staff picks, I went over to TallySite, which is the website that we use to do our staff picks, and they compile um, all of our information in, in one kind of handy place. And it's interesting because TallySite has this thing called the Sports IQ. And the Sports IQ is a score out of 100 that, based on your previous I guess, picking knowledge, they give you like a a grade uh, that people can look at you and trust you or decide not to trust you. I went into last week with a sports IQ of like 84, which, you know, was like a little bit better than my high school GPA. So I think that's good. Um, But now 75, uh, the sports IQ is going down. And I looked at some of the picks that I made and that makes a lot of sense. I had a rough week. I took Atlanta, took New Orleans, took the Chargers, the Texans, the Eagles, the Rams, the Giants, the Cardinals. Oh, man, this was uh, the Vikings. This was a bad week for me, Jenny. Yeah, I also had a bad week, but I really can't believe you went down the sports IQ route because as we discussed last week, (laughs) apparently my sports IQ was 48. So really glad that you dredged that uh, statistic (laughs) up, Connor. That was, you know what? I would say not to pay it. Obviously, what I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make here is to not pay attention to the sports IQ. It's it's irrelevant. We're good. We're I'm, we're we're good. We're better. I, than I that. am joking. I am not defining my self worth on the sports IQ from a picker's <laughs> site. And if I did, we would have a lot bigger problems. So. <laughs> Let's go to number two. All right, the Atlanta Falcons blew a second double digit lead in three weeks, dropping to zero and three. As calls for Dan Quinn's oyster grow, what seems like the ideal solution? Might Arthur Blank be looking at future Falcon coaches and assembling a pecking order? I'm so sorry that in the... the, the notes when I wrote that topic for you, uh, I guess the iPhone corrected ouster to oyster. Oh, I was wondering. I wondered if this was some kind of um, phrase that I didn't get. And I was like, maybe it's a thing. Someone's oyster. Okay. They're just trying to grab Dan Quinn's oyster. Um, yeah, I you know, was kind of wondering about that. But listen, your, your, your topics are often nonconformist. So I thought maybe this was some hip new phrase. Um, but we'll go it. with ouster as calls for Dan Quinn's <laughs> ouster grow. What seems like the ideal solution? And really, Connor, this is a 
difficult question, one that has plagued the Falcons every season, really, since the Super Bowl loss. And Here, it, yeah, it feels like they just can't shake this. Yeah. I, I think that if it's me, if I'm Arthur Blank, and I'm curious what you think about this, if, if you're going to get rid of a coach in the middle of the season, you do it because you think you have someone on staff who can galvanize the players and salvage what's left of the season. If I'm looking at it, uh, I would say that the one person that you might want to get a look at is Raheem Morris, who has been mentioned in head coaching jobs. He did a good job. He had that one good season when he replaced John Gruden in Tampa, two not so good seasons, but um, has risen through the ranks in Atlanta there and is obviously well liked. Do you want to see him or do you look at it like we're already here? You know, we've we've already made it to this point. Uh, Dan Quinn's given us some good years. He has a winning record like Mike Smith did when he left Atlanta. Do you just give him the rest of the season? The players don't hate him. There's no mutiny on deck here. I think they played him into this season last year um, because they wanted him around. You know, I, I just think it's it's it doesn't make much sense to me to get rid of him unless you really want to to get a hard evaluation on Raheem Morris. Yeah. And you're right. Last year, it was the players rallying behind him to essentially save his job. I mean, at the time, that was a really remarkable display from the players. I thought that there was no infighting in the locker room when things were going badly, that they wanted to fight for their coach. You don't always see that in the NFL. And that was clearly a big reason they kept him around. But this thing that they have that they can't shake is a really bad thing to not be able to shake. Um, and it's really interesting kind of psychological question for the game. I mean, we talk about this a lot when you have a devastating loss, how do teams recover from it? And it feels like in the Falcons case, it just has, there's something that has stuck with them from that loss that whenever they get a big lead, maybe it creeps up and maybe the doubts kind of even subconsciously snowball. I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but it's hard to think that it doesn't play some kind of role. You wonder if, you know, it's one of those things where it's just an extreme case of something being extraordinarily unlucky. Like if you're Arthur Blank, can you put, the Super Bowl in one bucket over here, and can you put this season in another bucket and say, okay, we blew two leads to start the year. That's not good. Um, is part of it the defense's fault, which is what my head coach's expertise is? No doubt. Absolutely. Is part of it my franchise quarterback is not playing as well as he has in the past? Absolutely. No doubt. And do you wonder if you get the backside of that then? Maybe two of these next five games, we win games that we're not supposed to. We come from behind and we win those mm -hmm. games. I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to take a tremendous amount of patience and it's hard. It's If you can imagine being in that seat, hearing from the fans or the non-existent fans, I guess in this case, I mean, it, it, it's hard to wonder what you might do because I could see merit on both sides, even though I think we both agree that Dan Quinn is great for that locker room. 
if there is a coach that I've ever seen try as he as hard as he possibly could to shake this and mm-hmm. and get the team away from what happened there, I think it was it was Dan Quinn. I, I think that he really did do his best to try to move on from that Super Bowl as difficult as it was. He really has, and he's been intentional about that. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I think was so difficult or has been so difficult. Hearing him explain on Sunday, I watched the video of a Zoom interview of how you try to evaluate where this is coming from and search for answers. And he was saying all the things, you know, that you do and they're constantly evaluating and constantly looking for reasons that things happen. You know that it's true. Like he does all of those things. He's doing all of the right things. So it must be incredibly frustrating to have a problem that you can't crack. And for whatever it's worth, the reason that the players play hard for him is because he's like a really good person. Like he has a great energy about him. People like being around him I mean this off or uh, last year excuse me in the postseason you know was reporting for the Super Bowl game story and you report for both sides so you have stuff for whichever team wins so we were doing reporting on Kyle Shanahan and we were talking about the last time that they were in the Super Bowl right when Kyle was the OC in the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots and I wanted to talk to Dan about a bunch of things involving Kyle, but that was one of the questions, how he responded, what that moment was like. Dan was on vacation in Hawaii, and he called me to answer any question I needed. A lot was about Kyle and what he saw in as a coach, but then I asked the question about what happened at the end of that game. And he he said, hey, I knew this was coming, and he gave X, Y, and Z answers. There aren't a lot of head coaches in the league that would make time in their vacation Mm -mm. on Hawaii to answer difficult questions. Dan Quinn is one of those people. And so that's where I think it becomes a difficult uh, decision to make because you know that he's a guy that people do rally behind, but the problem is the results have not been there recently. I think that, um, you know, we went to um, Flowery Branch together on one of our training camp trips. And, you know, the way that there was the one year where he was explaining to teaching us the new tackling rule. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how certain things were going and to sit there, you know, he had brought in uh, one of his PR people to tackle for us, which was very, uh, very cool of him. And just you get engaged, you get fired up Mm -hmm. and you can tell that that's why the players like him so much. There's a Mm -hmm. there's a positive energy there. There's so much good there. And it's. It's one of those things that's like, I, that's why I don't understand what's happening. It's it's hard. Um, you know, on the outside, it's it's very easy, I think, for people to make jokes, to say, oh, 28-3, blah, 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 this is just who you are. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just this weird psychological thing. And I, I don't know. If I'm Arthur Blank, I give him the season to figure it out. I think yeah. that you're not going to get a better option right now. Like, I don't think that there's another thing out there that, is going to improve your chances at all. And I think he's done a lot for Atlanta too. So I think that he deserves that chance to to roll through the rest of the season. By the way, Connor, when you were apologizing for the write-up of the topic, I thought you were going to apologize for the fact that you used pecking order in a bird topic. That was very intentional. Okay, very intentional. <laughs> Good, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. So I caught the little... Uh, I caught the nod to birds because that seems to be our thing, you know, making in, uh, bird references yes. and in it's sort of a miniature far less funny version of um i'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a pop culture reference at you so just oh, um, boy. i'm just just beware um you watch saturday night live at all ever at times at times have you ever seen stefan 
the Bill Hader character who uh, he do, he comes on Weekend Update and he talks about all the crazy nightlife places that he's gone to. I have not, which is okay. probably embarrassing. Go no, ahead, no, that's though. totally fine. I'm sure, um, many but, listeners. But I have. think you would like it. It's very like New York City focused and and everything like that. But um, the whole deal is uh, one of the writers, who's a comedian, John Mulaney, He tries to uh, he wouldn't show him the cue cards before he went out to read all the jokes, and his goal was to make him laugh on the air to the point where he couldn't continue. Uh, and so I I like to kind of sneak in little things in the topics just to see if I can get you to even like. You know, just stumble over it and be like, oh, my goodness, that's not funny because I'm not going to give myself that much credit, but weird enough to uh, to give it a second look sometimes. Well, that is the joy of the topics everywhere, Connor. <laughs> you have achieved that. There you go. Um, OK, uh, topic number three, like a microwave burrito after a long night of drinking, Josh Allen was both wonderful and beautifully destructive in Sunday's wild win over the Rams. That's uh, he's second in the league in touchdown passes and is clearly developed as a deep ball quarterback. In what is becoming a weekly theme, Jenny, I'm asking you, are the Bills and Josh Allen for real? I think this time my answer probably adjusts slightly from the last time that we talked about this. Yeah, I mean, I was really off on this one. I underestimated his ability to take a jump in year three. I do think year three is a difficult one to project for quarterbacks. Sometimes they're able to make that leap, and sometimes they're not able to make that leap. But He's thrown for over 300 yards in every game. He has 10 touchdowns with only one interception. Um, There are definitely some of those moments you mentioned, those head-scratching type moments. The the bad face mask penalty was one of them, and the game came down to a questionable, to say the least, DPI call. But overall, Allen has been fantastic, and – while I think we were both a little skeptical of the Stefan Diggs trade, just because bringing in a top receiver doesn't always have the immediate impact that you think it will. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it really has had that impact. It's been a factor in Allen's ability to take a jump forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm amazed. And I would say that if you asked me to put a percentage basis on it coming into even this week, I would have said it was 80-20 scheme and you know 80 scheme uh 20 development i would say it's probably closer to 60 scheme 40 development now for me i mean he, he's just making these throws that are pretty incredible i mean he's we always knew that he had come into the league with that kind of cannon arm and had that big arm talent um but i i, I just it, it was never functionally used as well as it was and now we're seeing that happen again are some of these 50-50 balls that aren't going to be completed in other games? Absolutely. Are teams going to figure out a way to defend Allen? Yes. I think that um, there's no doubt that he's going to face um, harder challenges as they go on. But it's incredible. They blew a 28-3 to lead and then came back, drove down, and won the game. Uh, and, you know, bad calls are, you know, yes or no. It's it's just one of those things that uh, it shows a lot of maturity in a quarterback that I didn't think really had exhibited a lot of that on-field maturity in the past. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I still remember at the Combine when he did his quarterback workout and he threw a deep pass, maybe 60 yards or something. It was just really one of those where he really launched it and there was like an audible gasp in the (laughs) dome, which is usually pretty quiet, right? It's like a library-like atmosphere during these Combine workouts, Um, or at least it was. I mean, I think there's fans in there now, but this was a few years ago, obviously. Um But yeah, I remember there was like an audible gasp at this remarkable arm talent. But making that arm talent functional, as you said, has really been the difference this year. Definitely. Um, 
speaking of which, I think this transitions nicely from a quarterback on the rise to a quarterback that is not on the rise. <laughs> on the brink, yes. Yes. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates— Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like, literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. 
Topic four. The Eagles are now 0-2-1 after slumping to a tie against the previously winless Cincinnati Bengals. Carson Wentz is struggling unlike anything we've seen in his career, to the point where Doug Peterson has fielded questions about second-round pick Jalen Hurts. Are these just unexpected growing pains, or is something broken in Philly? This is a weird situation, right? I think that Carson Wentz is... I think I looked this up for um, for this morning. I think he's under pressure less than ever before in his career uh, through three games. Uh, so his three-game average is lower than any of the season averages in terms of the amount of frequency of pressure. Um, ESPN does pass-blocking win rates, run-blocking win rates. The entire Eagles offensive line in one way or another are in the top 10 in all of these metrics. They're winning uh, at the line of scrimmage. They're keeping guys out of his face. The one difference is I I think that his on-target passing, which is uh, pro football reference, has a great metric there, is about half of what it's been in the past, which if I'm Doug Peterson, that's scary, right? Mm-hmm. Give me pressure. Like, if, if the quarterback is not functioning well under pressure, that's fine. You know, we can fix that. Um, you know, I can tool something up. I can get guys in the right place. If he's missing people, and again, there's a lot of injuries, sure, but that that would be scary to me if I'm a head coach and I think they're in that position where it's like okay I don't know exactly what to do here. Yeah, there's clearly a lack of confidence in Wentz for Peterson to make the decision that he made at the end of the game. So where do they go from here? I don't know that I saw this coming. I thought Wentz was going to have a good year, but maybe we should have paid more attention to the whispers that have been coming out of the Eagles locker room, some of the reports uh about teammates questioning Wentz's ability Mm -hmm. and uh, his leadership being put under the microscope. I mean, I think we thought a lot of that was kind of, okay, well, Foles leads the team to the Super Bowl and Wentz sort of needs to reestablish himself after his injuries. Um, But we're long past that now. And uh, it just, we haven't seen that same Wentz we saw before that afternoon in Los Angeles um, during the Super Bowl season when he was on track to be the MVP. And uh, we haven't seen him since. I I had a theory that um, the Eagles, during his best of times, like the Eagles were borrowing heavily from that North Dakota State offense um, a lot of what they were doing was very inspired by what Carson did in college, which was not something that NFL teams were prepared to do. Um, if you look at their the number of times they've run RPOs, which I know drives Doug Peterson crazy that his offense was characterized that way during the Super Bowl season, but they have gone down significantly. Like It's not quite the offense that he's used to now. This is a little bit more pro style. This They're asking him to do more, and I'm wondering if that has something to do with it, or is it just the injuries? I mean, you know, on the flip side, the drop rate has never been higher, right? Receivers are dropping about 6%, so one in every 20 passes that he's throwing. That's doesn't feel like a lot to me that feels pretty standard for the NFL but it is higher than what he's used to so I don't know it's like it's one of these weird things where you wonder when he gets his full complement of receivers back if everything goes back to normal or if we are going to end up seeing you know something strange this year and I don't know or, you know if the Eagles end up bottoming out who knows what's going to happen yeah is it a lack of confidence? There's just so many factors. It's really difficult to pin down. And yet that division is such a mess that My you goodness. could 
as we always say every year, you could make it to the playoffs potentially <laughs> with a nine and seven record. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here. But if if I'm Belichickian enough uh, and I believe in my roster, I just start the year like zero oh and four. And then just unveil a new offense week five, you know, so teams have four more, like a month less to prepare for (laughs) what I'm inevitably doing because you know that you can come back and win the division. Like, it's so bad. It's bad every year. I don't know why. It's crazy. It's really, this year, though, might be the worst, but it's really this perennial bothersome thing, right? There's so many good divisions and the NFC East is always like this. It reminds me of, uh, in school, uh, one of my best friends, also named Connor, um, the teacher did a chart where um, she looked at the grades of the kids that were sitting behind and aside him during class, and it was like an echo of Ds and Fs that went all the way out to the back of the classroom when kids started getting As and Bs. And she said, literally, like, you're making people dumber around you. And I'm wondering if that was a, uh, you know, if that was one of these things that maybe the NFC East, they're just, they see everybody else and they say, okay, we can we can suck too. <laughs> I like that analogy, Connor. That's a good one. Uh, all right. What do we got? for number five here. Russell Wilson now has 14 touchdown passes in three games, which is the highest number in NFL history. Can this torrid stretch he's on be sustained? And I think more importantly, do you think Seattle's defense will prove to be an Achilles heel as we move on? I mean, I think part of the reason that Russell Wilson has been so good, right, is because he's had to be so good Mm -hmm. because they've been pushed a little bit defensively. Yeah, that's an important part of the dialogue here. And that's why I think... He is the leading MVP candidate. Yes, he's been playing that well, but Rodgers, as you mentioned, is also playing well. But Wilson is winning in spite of the defense. Wilson is essentially single-handedly willing his team to win every week. Uh, But the the defense is giving up about 500 yards per game. Um, And now Jamal Adams has a groin injury. So... It's hard to exactly know. I mean, yes, at this point, what Wilson is doing does look sustainable. Like, no one looks like they can stop it. But that's also a giant burden to have to put up that many points every week because your defense isn't slowing anyone down. Yeah, I think that his play itself is sustainable, but probably the idea that they can outscore people like this Um, is not. And it comes with an interesting nugget that I heard this morning, Jenny, and that is that two two teams are averaging over 35 points a game uh, this season, the Packers and the Seahawks. That's the first time that that's happened since like the 1940s through three weeks that two teams are averaging more than 35 points a game. It's pretty incredible. Wow. Since the 1940s? Who were the teams then? I don't know. It was probably like the, you know, the... Dayton gentleman or something like that. Yeah. You know? Like one of those snappy, uh, you know, made up things. That's Maybe. a crazy stat. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. I, I think that you and I are both, this is a pro Seahawks pod, pro Dimes, pro Chargers. You guys know the drill, but, um, and you and I both picked them to go quite far, but I did not expect the defense to underperform mm-hmm. as much as they did, which is, um, you know, has been a little bit alarming to me. I will say, when you'd rather have the defense be underperforming than the offense 
frustratingly not using Wilson the right way, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have confidence that Pete Carroll will figure something out and can try to get the defense working better. Um, And the missing element perhaps has been this willingness to let Russ cook as much (laughs) as I hate to use whatever hashtag that is. Um, So they have that. And so you just have to say, okay, well, Pete will fix the defense. Do you think as a coach, it's probably immensely frustrating that the thing that fans have been asking you to do is the thing that unlocks the key to your success. Like I remember when we would, we were covering the giants. I don't know if this was a big topic when, when you were on the beat, but uh, the giants, uh, it was like right around the time that chip Kelly was coming into the NFL and everyone said to Kevin Gilbride, why aren't you guys running no huddle? You know, why aren't you guys running no huddle? And, um, and then they did it and it was horrible. And I think, Personally, he probably felt a little bit better about it. Like, okay, see, we tried it and it doesn't work and you guys are all idiots. But this is the complete opposite of that, where the fans have been asking you to do this for years and you've been ignoring them and now you have and it's phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like the go to the no huddle, why don't you use the no huddle more often is, is a common question to be asked on Beats. I remember this when we covered the Jets and Brian Schottenheimer Mm. was there and he always said the same thing, Connor. I don't know if you remember, he'd always be like, we like to keep that in our hip pocket for when you really need it. It's not something you want to use all the time. You want to have it there for when you need to, you know, go into turbo. No, what he said was, we like to keep that in our hip pocket, Jenny. That's right. Brian was fantastic at remembering people's first names. I always thought that that was like a, a, a good thing. And now he's in Seattle and he's and he's listening to the fans. He took it out of his hip pocket. He had kept it in there for a few years. And now it is out into the open from the hip pocket. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch, but those games are also stressful if you have any kind of rooting interest in the yeah. Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. I I definitely agree with that. All right, Connor, why don't we head over to our favorite part of the show? What do you have for the Oracle this week? So uh, we made it through a um, an entire episode without really, well, we talked about the Jets a little bit, but without referencing the current fall of discontent in New York. And so I think it's only right to bring up the fact that, yes, the Giants are 0-3 and they got clubbed by the 49ers as our uh, friend, and former colleague Steve Politi put it, their junior varsity team uh, came into MetLife Stadium and, and beat the Giants this weekend. But I think I know what is going to happen uh, at the end of this season. And oh, so I'm wow. going to predict what is going to happen right now. Um, this is a real oracle. Yeah, so this is a long play. But if I'm betting on something, I think this feels right, and I bet that you'll agree with me. At the end of the season, I think that Dave Gettleman will retire or be made a uh, a consultant for the organization, oh. and the Giants will either, it will probably promote um, one of their longtime assistants, like Kevin Abrams, to the top role there, and kind of allow them to move in a different direction. I don't. I, I, it's ridiculous because when you're in New York, part of the deal is you're writing about the firing and hiring of people, and especially if teams are 0 three, like the Jets are, right? Fire the head coach, fire the head coach, fire the head coach. You're not going to do that with Joe Judge. And so, what is what are you doing right now? You're writing about fire the GM, fire the GM, fire the GM. It makes zero sense to do that now unless, you know, college football's already started, so the scouts are already on the road. You're already doing a lot of that stuff anyway, you know, and so I think it makes perfect sense to be grooming a replacement while asking the other person to be, to kind of gently take a 
soft retirement. And I think that that's probably what's going to happen in East Rutherford. So Giants fans of whom I have heard from, I I get it. It's frustrating, but this is probably what's going to happen. That makes sense, Connor. And then Joe Judge can have a hand in shaping the team a little bit more in his image, as we discussed last week, or whatever his ideal would be to shape the team rather than trying to work together with a GM that predated him. Yeah. I don't know. What do you make about all this? Like, I, I do. Th- it's a spicy time to listen to talk radio if you're in the mm-hmm. car, I would say. There's a lot going on. But what do you think? I think it's the. F- Rich Samini, another great former co-worker, had a, uh, well, colleague, I guess, had a great stat about, I think this is the third time since 1993 that both the Jets and the Giants started seasons 0-3. So it's a, um, hasn't been the best of uh, 30 years or so. Yeah, it's a tumultuous time in New York. The 49ers got a little bit lucky to get those teams on back-to-back weeks yeah. while they're having the injury issues. Of course, a lot of the injuries happened in the Jets game, but... The point being, they have Jets, Giants, uh, now Eagles next week. Uh, oh my gosh, I right forgot about time, that. Yeah, right in a time when they're, you know, looking to recover. It's a little bit of a soft part of the schedule that can help them as they try to get some of the guys that are able to return this season back. But um, yeah. New York football has been depressing for a while. It's been a difficult time to be an NFL writer if you live in the New York area because a lot of the games that you go to uh, are not meaningful. The seasons are over generally by the fourth or fifth week. I've gone to way more games in New England than I have at MetLife Stadium over the last couple of years. And I will uh, make a point that uh, I remember covering a Giants team that was 0-6 and and Rashad Jennings in the locker room saying to us, uh, this is exactly what you guys hoped for. Like, you guys love negativity and you thrive on negativity. And I said, actually, Rashad, that's not true. Our numbers are so much better when the team is winning uh, that we would love it if you guys were good uh, because, uh, you know, some of us get judged on, you know, at the time, you know, how many people actually look at this stuff and it's better when the team is, uh, you know, doing well. So yeah. New York writers are not inherently negative people. I think that we, uh, you know, but we get that, uh, we get that, I don't know, what do you want to call it? That uh, bias sometimes, I guess. Yeah, it's been a while since there was that buzz. And when there is that buzz, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we remember the years when the Giants, you know, they won Super Bowls in 20, 2007 and 2011. And then the Jets went to AFC title games in between. And there was just like this fun energy, which team was going to be better. We all remember the Snoopy Bowl between the Giants and the Jets, the year the Giants ended up going to win the Super Bowl. And you just really miss that energy. And that engagement just feels like, it's been a sad stretch for the New York teams. If I had asked you in the locker room in 2010, when we were both just uh, hanging out, wide-eyed 20-year-olds, um, just milling about, uh, in 2020, do you think that Rex Ryan and Tom Coughlin are still going to be ruling this, <laughs> ruling New York? What would you have, maybe not Tom Coughlin, but uh, definitely at least Rex Ryan, what would you have said? I would have said no on both. No. Yeah, just because it's so unlikely for a coach to last that long. And you always had the sense that Rex's star was going to burn bright (laughs) and then maybe die out quickly, right? That's true. Certainly not the trajectory that it's taken. 
I would have expected he would have still been in football. It's a surprise to me that he is not in football in any capacity. Um, but obviously that, you know, he went to the Buffalo job right afterwards and we all know how things went from there. But uh, I, I don't think I would have expected he would have still been in New York. I don't know, Connor. It's, it's interesting. City. Fun to think about. Um, yeah. And will be interesting to see what the Jets go moving forward. But all right, what is our uh, French's consensus for today? Well, you may have heard a little bit about this on Sunday. There was a decent amount of coverage, which was cool to see. Um, just wanted to say that this is really a testament to the work of Sam Rappaport in the NFL League office. Sam's a retired Canadian women's league quarterback. Uh, she had started girls flag and women's tackle programs in the U.S. And when she joined the league office uh, several years ago, she made a commitment to connect women who had experience playing the game, deep knowledge of the game with NFL decision makers, essentially creating networking channels that didn't exist, uh, kind of forcing teams to expand their networks to consider other qualified candidates that they might not have been considering. And so she started a women's career and football forum. Uh, it first had coincided with the women's world football games, which had you know, some 250 female tackle players from around the world. Um, and then it's grown from there every year at the combine. The last few years I've, I've attended some of the sessions and they have panel discussions, but more importantly, these breakout rooms where head coaches, general managers, team presidents connect with qualified candidates. Many of them at the college level who are working their way up through coaching and just don't have the inherent networks because they played the women's game and not the men's game. Um, so essentially just creating that network. And the result of that was what we saw on Sunday, which was uh, there was a female coach on both sidelines for Washington and Cleveland, Callie Brownson, who's the chief of staff for uh, Kevin Stefanski, Jennifer King. She is a full-time assistant coach, a season-long coach. Uh, full-time position for the Washington team under Ron Rivera. Um, and then in addition, Sarah Thomas, who was the first full-time female referee in the league. Um, they were all working the game and Laura Oakman of Fox sports did a nice job of telling that story during the broadcast. Um, but I just think a lot of times we talk about how do we open pipelines? And the reality is it's a slow process. It's a deliberate process. You have to be intentional about it. I am sure when Sam started, I mean, I've talked to her about this. It was small and people didn't know what would come of it. There were maybe only a handful of teams that sent representatives or are interested. And now it's almost every team um, and almost every team has participated in this program. And I think it's a pretty organic way to bring in qualified candidates, you know, there's essentially it's like a networking event you meet you can uh there's programs to bring in coaching interns for the summer or for a season um and progress from there um and all it's doing is ensuring that people who have the skills but just don't have the connections to earn a job in the nfl um, can earn it through this other way of connecting with decision makers um so i just think it was a real representation of how you intentionally work on diversity and inclusion. You make an effort to make a sport not look homogenous and to be inclusive of gender and race and sexual orientation and so many different categories. And so that was uh, a really awesome representation of it on Sunday. And I think it was cool, you know, for me too, to reflect a little bit. Um, I remember I was at 
NFL.com at that point, and I think I wrote the news story when Sarah Thomas became, you know, the first female official in the NFL. And at the time, the feedback was so ridiculous and and so dumb, you know, um, and and so expected, obviously. But this is a good time to look back and reflect now. She's been in the league for five years. um, And look at how many officials that we've openly complained about that are maybe not doing their jobs right. And here's Sarah Thomas, who has never been part of that conversation. She's always been um, one of the top officials in her group. There's never been this game that's hinged on a call that she's made. She's always been, you know, smart and fair and, you know, one of the best officials in the league. And I think it's one of those great examples of like, you know, yeah, you know, we can complain about it and people can just holler about it when it happens. But of course, when it goes well for five years, nobody's there to say anything or even acknowledge how well it's going. And I think that that's one of those things that's so important. It's like, you know, hey, this is working. They belong here. They're doing things that are making the team better. And whether that was the 49ers or Washington or, you know, any of these teams that have have hired female coaches, you know, or uh, female executives, or f- you know anybody at any tier of the organization. It's all been good. It's all been positive, and I think that this was a good time to take a step back and acknowledge that. Yeah, and it was just a pretty normal thing, right? This is a week three game between Washington and Cleveland. Yeah, just a normal part of an NFL calendar. Um, so I think that was a pretty neat aspect as well. So definitely. All right, Connor. Well, a lot to discuss, a lot to discuss next week. We look forward to being back. And yes, make sure everybody could find us on our new feed. Just search Weekside Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And we look forward to joining you again soon. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and products. And Mark Moravik is Emeritus Executive Director of the MMQB. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.